This episode is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. Go to adhs.gov or to learn more about substance use disorder, check out azhealth.gov slash hopeheals. RX Security has over 30 years experience printing tamper-resistant prescription pads and EHR paper that is Medicaid and state compliant. To prescribe safely, visit rxsecurity.com. That's rxsecurity.com. Hello, this is Dr. Ann Maiden. I'm a board-certified pediatrician that has been practicing for almost 10 years. I have worked at a federally qualified health center and more recently through different telemedicine platforms. I'm also the vice chair of pediatrics at Midwestern University's Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine. And I'd like to welcome you to the Arizona Physician Podcast. And I fully convinced myself before I wanted to convince any patient that this was safe. But I think some physicians are more hesitant than others. Um, but I don't think they consider themselves like full-on anti-vaxxers, but they're, they're concerned about what they can't predict, which is the future. Welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is Edward Araujo, Managing Editor of Arizona Physician Magazine, and your host for this episode. In today's discussion, Paul Lynch, MD, and I will discuss today's climate on vaccine hesitancy. Dr. Lynch is board certified in anesthesiology and pain medicine and is a fellowship trained interventional pain physician. He's co-founder and CEO of Arizona Pain, Pain Doctor, Texas Pain, Boost Medical, and Holistic Pain. Dr. Lynch was featured in Arizona Physician's Summer 2020 issue for volunteering at the beginning of the COVID pandemic in New York City. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lynch. Edward, thanks a lot for having me on today. Dr. Lynch, let's begin with the basics. You know, vaccines help the immune system to combat disease-causing pathogens. You're not a virologist, but you have a great interest in supporting vaccines. Tell us why. Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, I'm an anesthesiologist and I trained at New York University many years ago. My wife went to NYU as well. She's a dentist here in town and my oldest son was born in New York. And so um, I lived there for about five years and I'm certainly not a New Yorker. I'm actually really an Arizona, you know, at this point. But, you know, the New York, uh, you know, uh, people are really close to my heart. And when this um, pandemic hit in March of 2020, um, a lot of my friends and mentors at NYU hospital began getting sick and it was so bad that probably 50% of our anesthesiology department um, got sick in the first month and they didn't even have enough people to work. Uh, most of the elective cases have been shut down and most of the anesthesiologists had basically been deployed to the intensive care unit. And, you know, your viewers are more sophisticated than some, you know, physicians here in Arizona, but a lot of people don't understand that anesthesiologists, you know, spend a lot of time in ICUs as part of their training. And we learn, you know, ventilators, uh, you know, methods of keeping people, um, you know, healthy when they have things like ARDS or in this case, you know, COVID. And so long story short, they started sending out kind of like, you know, um, SOS for help in New York. Like we needed help at NYU specifically where I trained. And so I made the decision to go back to Bellevue in the spring of 2020, where I, I did part of my training. And, you know, we only have a few minutes today, so I'm not going to go through, you know, what happened there. I know we've talked about it before, but seeing people die at such a rapid clip, I probably saw probably 50 people die in about two weeks and, you know, holding phones wow. up uh, by FaceTime so that family members could say goodbye to their loved ones. Uh, it was horrific. I mean, it was uh, one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, walking into the hospital and seeing, you know, 20 tractor trailers 
with dead bodies in it because they had nowhere to put the dead. The first weekend that I was there, we lost as many people in New York City as we did during 9-11. And so, and I was in New York during 9-11 as well. And that's a you know longer part of you know my story. But uh, I just felt like this incredible passion to help these people. And uh, ultimately, I got sick myself after about two weeks and kind of cut my, I was going to stay for a month, but I got sick pretty fast and ended up quarantining. And when I came home, I just felt like, I needed to do something to get people's attention. I mean, I wanted to save my own parents. I've got, you know, uh, two parents that are in their seventies. And so I helped them understand what was going on very quickly and kind of go into quarantine. Um, and I helped my business and my staff and my patients. And I can't really turn it off Edward. you know, a year and a half later, I, I continue to try to do weekly or, you know, cut every couple of week updates for people. I talk to my patients about it. I feel like, you know, um, for most of my career, I spent a lot of my time talking about the opioid epidemic. You know, I'm a pain management doctor and I see how these opioids can kill people. And so I spent a lot of my time for the first, you know, 13 years of my career talking about opioids. And for the last year, I've also spent a lot of my time talking about this pandemic. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I totally understand. What role do you think physicians play in educating their patients about vaccinations? I think we play a huge role and bigger than people realize. And I, I'm glad you said it. I'm not a virologist. I'm not an infectious disease doc, but I am a physician that patients trust. And what I have found as I've gone through this year and seen people that are, uh, I don't like to use the word anti-vax. I'll say vaccine hesitant, as you said, in one of your questions, like they're vaccine hesitant for a lot of good reasons. And if I can just have a non-judgmental conversation with them where I don't tell them, beat them over the head that you have to get vaccinated, but instead ask them if they have questions and talk them through it. They trust me and they know that I've been to medical school and I trained and I understand, you know, how viruses work in the body. And, you know, when I can have a conversation with them, I feel like I can really um, get a lot of people that are on the fence to go ahead and get vaccinated. I've experienced that personally. And I think all physicians during this time should take a little bit of extra time and answer questions for their patients about vaccines. So do you know of any physicians who consider themselves vaccine hesitant? Like what's their argument against vaccines? Yeah. And I'm originally, when you had asked this question is, do I know any physicians that are anti-vaxxers? And I, I don't use that word. I don't think mm-hmm. physicians would ever say they are anti-vaxxers, but I do think there's a small um, subset of docs that are hesitant. I think all of us are a little bit hesitant. We're not just running in blindly to get, you know, whatever shot, you know, for me, what I do with my hesitancy is I go read the papers. I read mm-hmm. a full Pfizer paper when it came out last fall. It was, I think it was 50 pages or something. I read every detail of how they recruited patients and how they did it. And then I read the Moderna study and I fully convinced myself before I wanted to convince any patient that this was safe. But I think some physicians are more hesitant than others, um, but I don't think they consider themselves like full on anti-vaxxers, but they're, they're concerned about what they can't predict, which is the future. Thank you. After the break, we'll continue our discussion on vaccine hesitancy with Dr. Paul Lynch. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. Substance use disorder is a real and growing disease that particularly affects pregnant and postpartum women. The stigma surrounding SUD is a major reason why many women are afraid to come forward to ask for help. Words matter. Our language matters. Treating those with substance use disorder with compassion has an immense impact on women and their families. Let's all be part of the solution together. To learn more, please visit azhealth.gov slash today.
Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. We are joined by Dr. Paul Lynch in our discussing uh, vaccine hesitancy. Millions of Americans receive a flu vaccine each year. Children are vaccinated every day for measles, mumps, and rubella. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Americans have learned a lot more about the FDA approval process. This includes vaccines for emergency use authorization and those that are fully approved. Despite all the upsides to vaccines, many experts cite a few reasons why Americans refuse them. You know, the reasons often include a lack of access to healthcare, a refusal to see various diseases as a threat, concern about the vaccine's side effects, little trust in the vaccines or the institutions behind them, or a belief in conspiracy theories. Some friends and family told me that they're waiting for full approval before receiving uh, the COVID vaccine. Dr. Lynch, do you believe vaccine hesitancy is tied to the FDA approval or is it something else? Well, I think it's definitely something else. And I think um, there's probably five to 10 different reasons that people don't get vaccinated. I actually posted something on LinkedIn last month and I said the top six reasons that people, you know, are hesitant to get, you know, vaccinated. And I got probably 50 comments. And so I made a comment at the end, I need to do another video, which is like the top 20 reasons that people (laughs) don't get vaccinated. And so the reality is it's a very complex interplay on a lot of different factors. I think that we, by nature, are afraid of what we don't understand. And this is new technology. And it's, you know, and I think that, you know, concerns some people. I think that um, some people perceive that they have a lack of access Um, They literally don't understand that every single person in the United States now that's 12 and older can go get vaccinated. And so part of it's just getting the message out. And and I hate saying this, but there's a lot of active, intentional misinformation going on. And it really, it bothers me as a physician to see the world that we live in with social media that drives so much and so much misinformation. I actually read an article um, yesterday on doc about doximity, where even on our own kind of like we would consider you know, Doc Send Me, like a social media website for docs. There's mm-hmm. so much misinformation and some of it's propagated by physicians. And I don't think a lot of them are spending the time to read some of the stuff they're posting, but there'll be like a normal article about vaccines. And then physicians will jump in and post misinformation. And even Doc Simney's trying to figure out like, how do we control these docs who are, sp- you know, spreading things that aren't mm-hmm. true. And right. what's interesting for me, Edward, is the entire year and a half, if I'm going to do a video about it, I'll say, listen, I'm a doctor. I'm not a politician. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm going to stay in my lane. But I think at some level, we're going to have to start looking at politics and how it's kind of fed into this, that there are political parties that are trying to use the crisis for their own gain, whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. But specifically, I feel like the Republican Party has has been sucked into misinformation. And I, I wanted to tell you, I pulled up another uh, data from you know 10 years ago that looked at Republicans and Democrats and whether they were afraid of the measles vaccine. And so this is way before COVID. And I kind of went in and I read the study thinking that Republicans had always been a little bit hesitant of big government and a little bit more like freedom oriented. So I thought this was like 
maybe a Republican personality. What this study showed was only 5% of Republicans 10 years ago believed that the measles vaccine was dangerous. So only 5% would be considered kind of classically anti-vax and 9% of Democrats. So the Democrats were more likely to be afraid of the measles uh, vaccine than the Republicans. But that's completely flipped during this pandemic, where now as many as 40% of Republicans would say they don't trust it. And I think that's a little bit on the parties to say, hey, this isn't a political issue. We're not going to politicize this pandemic for gain. But whether it's Republican Party or Democratic Party or state government here in Arizona, we need to go to great lengths to protect our people first and foremost and not make this an issue to win an election. Dr. Lynch, uh, how do you deal with a patient who is hesitant to receive a vaccine? Like, what would you recommend um, as a helpful approach for your fellow physicians to take? Thank you for that question. I think it's the most important question. And I think as a physician, um, there's a term, um, unconditional positive regard, which came out of, um, I think it was Maslow and his research on psychology, or maybe it was Erickson, but unconditional positive regard. So if you're doing therapy, um, whatever the person tells you, if it shocks you, you show them love and unconditional acceptance, because that's the only way that, um, you know, in, in like a psychiatric setting that a patient can walk through and talk through some of the bad things that they've done or have happened to them. So unconditional positive regard is what we need to show someone. It doesn't matter if they're full on anti-vax and railing against vaccines and they hate it. What you need to do as a physician is mm-hmm. let them talk and listen to them and, and make them feel validated. Their concerns are not crazy. It's not crazy to question what could happen 10 years now from a vaccine. It's good to listen to your patient. And then what I try to do is bring them back to the science that I understand. I actually will open up with them and talk to them from a personal level, why I made a decision to get vaccinated, why I encouraged my family to get vaccinated, why I tell my mom and dad to get vaccinated. So I'll tell them personally, here's the process I went through and then showing them just acceptance so that you can help them on that road. If you do that, you're going to have a whole lot more acceptance than if you're sarcastic or yell at them or criticize them or make them feel like their concerns aren't valid. So that personal touch, in a sense, has been been very important and made it easier for you to convey the message. For sure. Like, um, you know, I'll say, listen, I understand what you're saying. Let me tell you how I made my decision. And I'll tell them about reading the study and my concern for my own parents and protecting them. And I think when you can kind of make that, you know, personal, I think it helps them, you know, make the decision for themselves. That's great. Well, I want to thank uh, Dr. Paul Lynch for joining us on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. Lynch and his practice, uh, Arizona Pain, uh, please contact him at 480-563-6400 or visit his website, www.arizonapain.com. And finally, we want to thank you for joining us today and kindly request you hit that subscribe button on your favorite platform. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong, collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.